0: Okay, we're recording. I'll just cut this out. Hi, everyone. I'm Danielle Green, and I'm the host of the Discuss with DG podcast. Today's episode is special to me because not only is it the inaugural episode of Discuss with DG, but I've got two very special guests. Today's episode will explore my family's Black history and how my family's understanding of our Blackness has evolved. Let's get started. So mom and dad, thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor to be here with you both and get to discuss this topic with you. So first of all, I'd love to start with both of you giving a short introduction on yourselves, who you are, where you're from, a little bit about what you've done, and then we can go from there. Mom, why don't you go ahead and start?
1: Okay. Hey, I'm Veronica, or better known to as Ronnie. Um, my parents are both from Central America, Panama. And um my dad joined the US Air Force, came to the States, and my mother followed later in the in the early 60s. I was born in the States. My brother was born in Spain when my parents got stationed in Spain. And uh, after my parents got divorced, we stayed in Colorado where we were living at the time. Um, I grew up in a household where, with a single parent, but um, inside the house, Everything was Hispanic, the music, the food, everything, my mom's friends. and But in my environment that we ended up in, um, I went to a predominantly Black school, but I was an ESL because of the fact that I spoke Spanish, and I was the only Black kid in the class, and I was harassed every day. I was jumped, beat up, bullied, you name it. Um, and because of that, I didn't want anyone to ever know that I was different. So that's that's kind of my my background there.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing, um, Dad. Your turn.
2: Oh, wow. Hey, uh, my name is uh, John Martin, and I go by my middle name Andre. Uh, let's see. So, I was born in West Virginia, and I grew up in uh, California. My father was in the Navy, and uh, despite my father and brother uh, joining the U.S. Navy, I decided to join the U.S. Army after graduating from two years of college, and so I spent 31 years and 22 days in the Army. Um, As a family, we traveled around the world, and We ended up in uh, Huntsville, Alabama after uh, my time in the Army was up.
0: So that's where we are now. Great. That's great. Um, So, uh, you know, just to give folks a little bit of context, I did speak with both of you last week asking you questions about, you know, what race conversations look like um, at home. But. As we started talking, we realized that we didn't really have those conversations, um, and so I think, you know, to start, I would love if both of you would share. And mommy kind of already did a little bit of that, but share, um, you know, what your experience being Black people in America was like growing up. Let
1: me to go first. Sure, I'll go first. Well, it was interesting because um, going to coming to the States, back to the States in the 70s, you're watching, you know, the Black Power Movement. Um, so, you know, civil rights, all those things have come down, but now you've got the Black Panther and there's a lot of shows on TV, you know, Stanford and Son and That's My Mama and just all kinds of great things going on on TV. But for me, because I was raised so differently, because my parents weren't from the States, I I didn't grow up with pretty much everything I learned about being black. I learned from watching TV and just observing my surroundings. But the problem was what I was seeing as far as like the black community fighting for the right, fighting for them to have equality Fighting for and I say them that's a habit, my mom always said them, um, but fighting for everything, fighting to be able to just live what I saw within the black community is I wasn't allowed to just be me, I wasn't accepted because i wasn't like I wasn't like everybody else, and it was hard for me to understand that because. My skin color, I look like everybody. So, from the white people, I'm treated like I'm black, Hispanic enough because within the house, you know, my mom was very determined because even though coming to the states in the 60s, early 60s, you know, she experienced what that racism looked like in the states. Um, One example that she always told me about was we were stationed in Illinois where I was born. And when my dad left to deploy and she was taking the bus back to New York to be with family, she wanted to go in and warm up the baby bottle, but they wouldn't let her in. So she had to keep the bottle in between her legs to warm it up to feed me. So I think all these different experiences that she witnessed herself, you know, she stressed, you know, we had to get an education. We had to speak clearly, even though my mom had a strong accent she still does <laughs> and she still does um, mispronounced words, but my brother and I could not even remotely speak any other way because she would f- clearly tell us, "I know what it sounds like, so she knew how everything should sound, so because of that, because of you know, I respected and feared my, my mom, I was more worried about her. I got teased. I was a wannabe. I was an Oreo. I was just, you, you name it from the black kids, just all, all through school, all through school. Mm -hmm. And when I got older, you know, my friends would come over and they'd hear my mom talk and then, or they'd hear the music, you know, they'd kind of give me that sideways questionable, you know, glance, like, what's going on here, Mm because I don't have an accent, right, you know, but she really just, that's the only thing I can say I regret growing up is she didn't say like, okay, in the house, we're going to speak Spanish, but out there, you know, she literally just, not that she stopped being a Latina woman, Mm -hmm. but she was just more worried about my brother and I, because we, my brother and I are darker than her, So she knew we were gonna have issues. So she just wanted to make sure that she never told us we couldn't do something because of the color of our skin. And I know that's something that happens and has happened. It's not so much now, but back then that was a thing, you know, black kids were always told what they couldn't do because they were black. I never got that talk from my mom at all. So I went through life just thinking, I could do what I want. I mean, I know there was going to be issues, but I never had that drummed in my head. Mm-hmm. But it's unfortunate that I took, not understanding, not until all these things started going on last year that everything really, really came to the forefront and you started questioning, that it dawned on me that I really didn't have the Black experience. My parents didn't come from the state, so we didn't live you know I didn't grow up with you know the black family, the black church, aunts mm-hmm. and uncles and everybody living around me and cousins and you know neighbors, and where you're you're kind of even though there's hardship, you had that security. yeah, I didn't have the security. you know, my mom's friends were all Hispanic, they were all shades from the white is white to the black is black, but everyone spoke Spanish. And I could say, yes, I grew up with the kids, but I was the oldest, so I was the babysitter. So I didn't even have, I didn't even have them, you know. So I kind of grew up just trying to find where did I fit in the world. Mm. And unfortunately, that's a, my perception was very skewed. And I brought that to you, you know, when I met your dad, I was, so shocked that here was this black guy talking about oh the family went skiing you know they went boating they had horses because every black person I ever ran into was well skiing that's for white folks everything was for white folks anything I was interested in it was like oh wow and I never understood like what the hell does the color of your skin have to do with you being able to go skiing or white mm-hmm. whitewater rafting or you know anything it just, I didn't understand,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, naturally, as you get older and, and you learn things and you see things, I began to understand, but at the time I i just didn't get it. I didn't yeah. get it. I didn't get, why was I teased? Why was I, you know, why was I targeted? I look yeah. like you, why am I targeted? Right. So I was very, very shocked and impressed that, oh, there are actually, okay, you know, people are out there actually doing things.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And I want to come back to that. But um <laughs> dad. <laughs> I do, I you, do. You can
2: say my brother, you can say Uncle
0: Jimmy.
2: Huh? You say Uncle Jimmy.
0: What about Uncle Jimmy?
2: Instead of saying my brother. oh that's a, it's, fine. Jimmy. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. You don't
0: <laughs> I think that's fine. <laughs> okay. Anyways, Dad um would love to hear what it was like growing up for you as a black man.
2: Well, so, you know, after we had our conversation, I had a conversation with grandma Mm
0: -hmm.
2: uh, about, you know, us not having those true conversations in my house. Um, And, you know, obviously you knew that I grew up in a military family and I grew up uh, in, you know, as far as I can remember um, in San Diego, you know, the majority of my life, you know, although we lived in different parts of California and different parts of the world, or the country um you know it's primarily san diego uh and and so i asked my mom you know why we didn't have that or did we have those conversations and you know what she told me was you know um we ended up selling the house because of the the neighborhood we lived in my dad was like either sell the house or lose your sons because it was gangs all around our in our neighborhood
0: that was in san diego
2: yeah Yes.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh,
2: and so it, it was pretty rough. I mean, you know, you would go to the park to shoot some hoops or whatever, and it was just straight gang infested. And, you know, you know, we lived in a nice neighborhood, but, you know, just up the block was, you know, it was gangs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my dad decided that it was, it was more important to, to move out of the neighborhood. And so we ended up moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, growing up, uh, in, military housing, um, went to a, what could have been a predominantly white school, but there were a lot of, you know, different races there, but, you know, um, I grew up, I grew up with everybody, so we, we didn't really have that, you know, when, you know, um, it, it was different, you know, it was different, I don't think it was a need to have at that time, the conversation, because, you know, my father being in the military, we, you know, hung around everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. it it was Mm -hmm. like, you know, you say the it it took a village to raise a a child. Well, where I grew up, uh, everybody took care of everybody.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. You know, everybody was at everybody's house, you know, white, black, you know, Filipino, you know, you name it, we all hung out. So, it was never really that, you know, that I don't know if it was that important to have that conversation, but I would tell you we knew that there were areas within San Diego um that you you just didn't go whether you were black or not. There was just areas that you didn't go because it was uh it was a uh, gang ridden, you know, either black gangs or hispanic gangs and uh you just didn't go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Thank you for sharing. Sure. Um, so something I want to touch on mom that you said, um, was that when you met dad, you were like, Oh, here's this black man who grew up doing similar things or just things that, you know, had been perceived as white people things. Um, like, did you, did you have encounters with black people before that? Like, you know, what was it like, before that
1: well I you know growing up I had crushes whether they were white guys or black guys or whatever the thing Mm -hmm. was the black guys stop the black guys you know weren't interested they literally really wanted the white girl the cheerleader Mm
0: -hmm okay okay
1: and all right but then the white guys weren't going to date me because i was black
0: i heard that you know so mm-hmm. it was like hmm
1: um i don't know i i, I just i never got it wasn't until uh, i think the army wow that's a good question <laughs> I, okay. When I was in the air force, I was on the air force track team. So I, there were a lot more black kids on the track team mm-hmm. and it was great. And we all got along, you mm-hmm. know, because everybody was military and we were all athletes,
0: Yeah.
1: you know, so it, it, it was, it was kind of fun. I finally felt like, Oh my gosh, I have somewhere I belong, but the, the denominating factor were, was we were all athletes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um, Like I said, I never felt, I never felt like I was welcomed, but being an athlete, I was in that community, you know, and Mm -hmm. the majority of people were black. So there was that. And then I was good. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: You know, I was popular in high school because I was very good in track and field. And I was in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. I would get called, at school pulled out of class to get interviewed by the news. And so, yes, I was popular in that sense, but only because of that.
0: So when you say that, you know, you were only popular because you were an athlete, um, or you say that, you know, black guys weren't interested in dating you, is that something? So first let's, let's break that up. When you say the black guys didn't want to date you was that something that they explicitly said or was that something that you assumed because it wasn't happening
1: mm. um i assumed because it wasn't happening you know mm. um when you're kind of the only reason why people are talking to you is because i was in the newspaper
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know mm-hmm. i'm winning the track meets but I'm not I was never invited to anything the black kids did I wasn't invited to go do stuff Mm -hmm. I did join the Kenyatta club in high school because I was really determined I wanted to be part of I was trying to get into the black
0: um can you explain for me and the listeners what a Kenyatta club is if I can remember.
1: <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: Okay, go folks, you that. might have to Google that later.
2: Yeah, exactly. Hold on, let your daddy Google that. <laughs> I ain't never heard I, that.
0: All right, oh. it's okay. Let's just...
1: Look, let, let's remember that I grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Enough said. Very white. Um, very white. Um, so the King of the <laughs> Club, it was a club for the Black kids. And I guess, you know, shoot, you know, it was so long gone. I don't remember. I just remember there was a dance routine that we had to do. And we did a, it must have been a Black history thing because we performed it
3: well, for the school. Here. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Okay, great. So, But, but
1: yes, the <laughs> most, most of the Blacks that I encountered, nobody was ski- Black people that I encountered Nobody was talking about skiing or just just doing anything. No one was talking about tennis. Or I knew how to swim. Nobody was swimming. Nobody was.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It was mm-hmm. like you were a basketball player. You ran track. Mm-hmm. You were a football player. Um, yeah. So, you know, but there was nothing like that. So anything that I was interested in, ice skating, you just it was just things you didn't see. So. I I I remember I told you one day my mom asked me, why didn't I hang around and have more black friends? And I just kind of looked at her and I thought, I I was like, well, they're not anywhere that I am. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, they're they're not anywhere that I am. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know, in junior high, I eighth grade, I was specifically remember I said, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to hang out with all the black kids. I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and I got into trouble. I, I ended up, I was mean and just, just the things, just my attitude changed everything. I really didn't like the person I was. And when I came back to school the following year, I ended up having to apologize to people, you know, because I was doing something that I wasn't trying to fit in. So that's where, for me, I just realized that I'm going to have to go, go through life just doing me, and I can't really worry, even though it's always there. That's what yeah. I told myself, that I'm just going to have to do me.
0: Yeah, so that's, that leads me to my next question. Um, so what was your experience like with white people growing up? Because so far, we've heard you you know, have issues with black people and people that look like you, you know, were you having good experiences with white people? Um,
1: for the most part, yes. But looking back, I realized that um, the, the high school I went to, you might as well say it was kind of almost like a predominantly white school that they bust in kids. Okay. So a lot of the kids that I went to school with drove cars. Mm -hmm. They lived in very nice neighborhoods and stuff. And, um, I do remember girls doing some stuff, but I was so desperate to be liked Mm. that I let myself be made a fool of, Mm. you know, like I call someone who's supposed to be a friend. And she would literally walk away and leave me on the phone and instead of, you know, Veronica, hey, just hang up the phone. Veronica sat would sit there. Hmm. I sat there waiting for her to come back and talk to me. Yeah. When my mom, when I was in ninth grade and my mom said, if I won the city championship, she would get me a diamond ring. And I won and I got, and it wasn't a big ring, but it was a big deal to me. And I remember this particular girl. She wanted to see the ring and white she girl. Took
0: Sorry, just want to make sure. White girl, white okay. girl,
1: and didn't give it back to me for quite a while. It took a while to get it back from her. Oh yeah.
3: Hmm.
1: Um, in the military. It, it like I said, I had my issues with everybody. It hurt me more. The issues I had with black people. Yeah. Because I knew white people were going to treat you a certain way anyways.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: But um, I I had one one issue particular. I remember in the Air Force when I was stationed in England, there was a girl I was stationed with. We were dental assistants. And it's like every guy that I had a crush on. Now, she was a white girl. Mm-hmm. So every guy that I had a crush on, that there was a chance that we could have dated. She ended up dating them.
0: Mm-hmm. It was
1: like, and I just kept thinking, wow, so...
0: You love to see it.
1: You know, it really made me go, okay, so I guess it's like, if this Black girl can, you know, then I'm going to get them first. Yeah. You know, so it's... I I did have my issues, and it was hard.
0: Yeah, right, of course.
1: Because I knew I just didn't fit in anywhere. Um. But I never had... I never had the issues in the sense of, I had a, for those people that don't, a fatal attraction, Google the movie and you'll understand. I never, although I never dated this guy, he saw me running one day, he was in a hangar. I didn't even see him. And so every time he saw me out at the club, this was in England, we were stationed in England and he'd see me and he would, he come talk to me. And then the next time we, you know, and if I didn't like, speak to him the way he wanted or answer the way he wanted he would then turn around and threaten me oh my girlfriend in the states could whip your tail and blah 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 and then the next thing you know he would have someone leave flowers at my door you know leave me notes But one time he totally went off and i had friends that were police and they kind of were like okay whoa 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 i mean he literally threatened me this dude was ginormous it was a black gentleman and so one day I got these big bouquet of flowers. Now, mind you, nobody I know is trying to send me and spend that kind of money. So I was like, I don't know what this is. So I saw the name, threw it in the trash, and the supervisor pulled me aside and was like, hey, what's going on? So when I explained everything to her, she called his supervisor. He got in trouble. But every, pretty much every Black person on post with the, with on the base, with the exception of the few that I was stationed with stopped talking to me. You know, it was like I got this black man in trouble.
3: Mm.
1: And I'm like, yeah, but he's threatening my life. Yeah. Every other time I see him. Yeah. You know, so it's just, and the same thing happened when I joined the army and I got to Germany. Um, the black girls on the base, with the exception of the two or three that I was stationed with in my unit, they didn't talk to me for like a year. Mm. It was like high school. I'd walk in the dining facility; they'd all be sitting together. They'd look at me, and you know, I just so I I never had that bad of interactions with white people. Yeah. You know. Yes, there Mm -hmm. were blatant racists out there that did things, and people did things, but just as a whole, as Mm -hmm. a group, I I never got. Treated like that, so that's where for me it it was very, very hard. I actually told my mom when I called her when we started dating. I told her, "Sit down."
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh!
0: He's black. (laughs) You know. Yeah. Um,
2: This is like a therapy session. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, One of my coworkers, she was like she showed me this meme and um it said i can't afford a therapist so i'll start a podcast okay. <laughs> so, be which is on funny but i am in therapy also people all right so dad yes uh i want to hear more about you know your experience as a black man growing up in america you know like what, what was your experience like? Did you have any similar experiences to mom? You know, what, what's your, what's your take? What's your side?
2: Wow. Um, well, you know, I tried to do everything that everybody was doing, you know, so growing up in a, you know, a, like I said, a military community, if, if folks are going skiing, I'm going skiing, you know, if if they're right, if they're racing BMX, I'm racing BMX. You know, if they're skateboarding, I'm skateboarding. If, you know, whatever they're doing, I'm doing. Um, and you know, you you know, you have from time to time. You know, you had your your issues, but I don't know if my issues were as deep as, as your mom's. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I dated white girls. I dated Filipino girls. Uh, I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I, I dated black girls. You know, I you know. Um, as as you, as Grandma says, I, I I grew into myself. You know, I, you know, <laughs> you know now, and I look back, you know, thirty or forty years ago, I was like, ooh, it was probably rough, you know, um, but it was um, it wasn't. You know, I don't know if I had as many issues as 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 your mom did. You know, mm-hmm. simply because growing up in, like I said, growing up in the environment that I grew up in, it wasn't a white neighborhood, it wasn't a black neighborhood. You know, it it was a melting pot. You know, mm-hmm. you you know all my friends for yeah. the most part. Right. Um, that, and I'm still friends with them. Um, white, black, Filipino. I mean, you know, we we all just got along, and and you know so you know, there were some, you know, there were some racist issues in, you know, growing up in high school, you know, you know, you had the stoners and everything. But the thing was, is that those of us that hung together, squashed that, and we squashed it quickly, you know, so it was, you know, it wasn't, you know, the black guys versus the white guys, you know, it it was those of us that hung out together, squashing the issues together.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So, you know there were areas that I just didn't I didn't go to you know I there were black neighborhoods I didn't go to unless I was with my um my black friends that lived in the neighborhood (laughs) I didn't go over there by myself you know I there were places I just didn't go by myself and there were places you just didn't go after dark so you know like I said you know I I I wanted to grow up doing everything that I that I could do Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know um and I didn't want to limit myself you know so when I told your mom that you know we own boats and we own the horses and we went skiing and you know I I did everything I could do I boogie board I surfed and and, you know because that's what my friends did and it wasn't you know so if anybody was rolling out you know everybody was rolling out it wasn't you you can't go because you're black or you can't go because you're white it's like hey if if your mom and dad say you can go let's you know you can go you know so I think my my environment was a was a little bit different yeah my father was in the military and you know he was gone just like everybody else's dads in the military were gone you know so for the dads that were home um you know or the parents that were home you know they kind of looked out for each other you know so it was um it was different
0: yeah yeah (laughs) to say the least um So I guess one question I have for both of you, you know, doing things that were perceived as quote unquote white people things, were those things that you genuinely enjoyed doing? Was it you trying not to, you know, I don't want to be like those black people. And I'm saying those black people because I've had that mentality before of like, I, I don't know. Like, the media perceives Black people one way, and so you do everything not to be perceived that way. So, like, when you were doing those things, like, did you have that mindset, or did you just simply enjoy doing them?
1: For me, it was, no. For me, it was, I enjoy doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. I ice skated. I I Mm -hmm. would have loved to have been an ice skater. Yeah. I wanted to do gymnastics. You know, I wanted, I would have loved to really be, skied. you know? Yeah, yeah monetarily is what kept me from doing it more <laughs> yeah. growing up but no I I had no it, I didn't I wasn't worried about what you know mm-hmm. trying to do what they couldn't do or se- perceived and not want to do yeah I you know and I think that just goes back to my mom never never putting those thoughts in our heads you know I saw right. it from other people and I saw it from what I was told mm-hmm you know when you're discussing stuff and they're like man what you want to do that for mm-hmm. you know only white folks do that and it's like yeah. okay but you know it no it for me it was those are the things that i was interested in and i would like to try and do it
2: yeah I, <laughs> hey so i think i think it's the same thing right you know so <laughs> You know when 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 your uncle and I, Uncle Mike and I, started. You know racing BMX. You know we raced with with Sonny and his brothers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and you know, didn't see a whole bunch of brothers until we started going to different places. And then we started seeing, you know, other black guys out there. I mean that could that could really get down. That could really yeah. race. You know. So it's like, it wasn't. You know. Yes, I listen to rock and roll music. You know. And some in the beginning. So in the beginning. It was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> in in the beginning, it was, you know, doing it to try to fit in. Mm-hmm. But then when you get out there and you start enjoying it, you know, I started having fun, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I was the the Willie champ of the neighborhood. I could ride a wheelie further than anybody <laughs> in the neighborhood. You know, I, I could ride a unicycle. Right. So, you know, you start doing those things, but you don't worry. I didn't worry about The perception. Oh, you! Oh, you! You race in BMX because you want to be white, or you, you know, you're riding a unicycle because you want to be white, or you're doing these things. You know, I wanted to have fun. I wanted to be able to experience those things. And like I said, you know, it's you know, just because both of my parents worked didn't mean that I always had a chance to do everything. You know, I did what I could afford, and and so whatever I could afford to do, you know, that's what we did. But Mm. you know, it was never oh, you know, my parents never said, oh, you can't do this because, you know, only white people do that.
0: Yeah.
2: So, so we, we crushed, we crushed that stereotype in the house, you know? Uh, And then it was like, whatever you did, do it the best of your ability, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to run track, be the best. If you're going to play football, be the best, you know, everything that you did, you know, you, you, you tried to be the best, not for anything other than, I think when we grew, when you, when I was growing up, you know, there was still that undertone, you know, like we, you know, you and I talk where you you still had to make sure that you didn't, you know, you you dress a certain way. Like I didn't, you know, I never sag, you know, my hair was always combed. My stuff was, you know, my stuff was straight. If it wasn't braided, it was, it was blowed out in a nice afro. Throwing in a Jerry Curl, you know. I must, I was. I was clean every day, right? I was always clean. <laughs> um, but you know. But so when you. So when I think about it now, and then growing up, you know, growing up in the military, you know, uh, growing up, you know, spending, you know, you laughed at the twenty-two days, but the twenty-two days was really the the hardest, you know, for me. Uh, but you know, thirty-one years. Um, you, you know, we traveled around the world and, you know, did I run into some, you know, some uh, uh, ignorant white folks? Yes. You know, did I, did I run, but, you know, most of that was in Europe, you know, didn't, didn't, you know, and I had, and I ran into a couple, you know, in my unit, a couple of my supervisors and I had to, you know, I had to um, tell them that, you know, Honestly, if I could say it the way I could homie don't play that, you know we gotta <laughs> we're gonna have to do this, we're gonna do this right now we're gonna if we're gonna fight we're gonna go around behind this this uh this container, and only one of us is gonna come back, and it's not gonna be you uh, and then so I never had another issue right mm. uh, because you know you have to stand your ground, and so I stood my ground and uh, you know i I think like your mom it, it wasn't really until you know all the stuff that starts happening in the media that really kind of brings it to home you know i'm not going to tell you when i was growing up that you know driving down the street in my car that you know you see the cops that you didn't worry right because even then you did you know i I, i'll be honest with you i i still do like today like right now um but the thing about it is it's it's to me it's how you unfortunately it's it's how you carry yourself it's how you conduct yourself you know um I think it's our i think it's our our mannerisms i think it's it's the way we we conduct business I think it's the way I was grown like the way I was raised, you know yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am mm-hmm.
3: um
2: and I'm going to you know conduct myself in in a professional manner uh at, at all times you know
0: so yeah. you know so i have i have quite a few questions off of that okay. but sure well i guess i just um you know do you like does it make you feel tired that you do have like you know you have to carry yourself like probably well, not probably, like, you know, several standards higher than yes. white people. Let,
2: let, Exhausting. Let, let, me give you, let me give you an example, right? So yes, probably about a, about a year ago, maybe a little bit more than a year ago, Um, your mother and I went out with some friends. We went out to dinner with some friends. And we met at this spot, and then we left that spot, and we went to another spot. And so we, you know, kind of, you know, bar hopped. Oh,
1: it's so when yeah. we first got here. We were we with Holly first and here. Bennett
2: okay and, and and so we um we go into this spot we we come out and they say hey we're gonna go to this spot across the street so you know it's kind of a you know a square you know it's downtown mm-hmm. Huntsville and there's
1: and there's like three there's like three bars in one building
2: right okay. so we're getting ready to go and the guy says hey you guys can't bring these drinks in. so your mom and, and and them they had drinks so they stood outside they drink their they drank their stuff and then you had to go by and in the bouncer you know he's standing right there so it's a white guy and you know it was kind of it was kind of cool that evening so i had on a, a nice jacket a, a scarf and my gloves and so so the only people that were of color was your mother and i right and mm-hmm. so um we were going through the this the low bootleg security guy and he looks at me and he asks me do you have a knife and I was like uh no I don't have a knife yeah so it just so happened that that night and I always carry one on me right I always carry one on me in my pocket I mean just just so that's just something I I learned in the military right something Mm. ever happens like if you are in a car accident you know you can cut yourself out right so I carry one so I didn't have it um, I said, no, I don't have a knife. He's like, OK. And so we all get in there and um, your mom and, and uh, Holly was standing there and they're like, well, what's up? I said, man, dude just asked me if I had a, a knife. And, you know, Holly just looked at it and She's like, oh, let me go ahead and talk. I'm like, no, nah, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, I know. So, here's, so here's the crazy part. The crazy part was everybody in that group had a gun but us. Everybody. To include to include Bennett's dad, who was, who was here visiting, they all did, carried.
0: Did they get asked at the door? No,
2: no, no. no they didn't ask nothing.
0: Mm,
2: interesting. So I was like, I was like, huh? Okay, so this is still Alabama, right? This is still Huntsville, but it, this could have been anywhere. You know, here yeah. I am, a black guy. I walk in, and then you know, you go in there and you see other black people in there. You know, because it's three, it's three uh establishments in Mm -hmm. one big building um two upstairs and one downstairs and you see other black folks so in my mind I'm thinking okay did did they get the same question I got right did white people obviously the white people that was with me didn't get the same question I was like hmm, yeah like I'm like really so it's it's real uh profiling is real Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, the, the racism and the stereotypes, no matter, you know, how much money you make or how, 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 how how dressed, you know, how dressed up you are, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Um, you could be doing everything and yes, does it get tiring that, you know, um,
1: it it gets tiring in the sense of last year, um, there's three couples went out because two, The husband just had retired as well, but his wife's still on active duty and they were on their way to Hawaii. So we all went out, there's this hangout. They refurbished this old um, warehouse, made outdoor seating. So there's Mm -hmm. live music, there's restaurants. You don't eat in them. You get your food and come back and sit outside. So me and the one wife that's still on active duty went in to get food and we're standing there And there was a woman at the counter. And so we didn't know if she was waiting to get served or what. So I was like, ma'am, you know, are you in line? Mm -hmm. She just like, she didn't hear. So I'm like, okay, I'm always told I don't speak loud. Ma'am, you know, are you in line? Again, not a word. So her husband's like, honey, they're talking to you. She turned with the nastiest attitude and said. I don't want to talk to them turned
0: back. Oh, interesting.
1: And literally we were like, Whoa, okay. Pardon me, excuse me, whatever. So we get our food. I mean, we put in our order and we're standing there, saw someone else we knew, I knew, and we were talking and they were all like, man, you know? So they called my order and I stood there because I knew they were going to call her order next since we ordered together. And I saw through the corner of my eye, the woman coming. So I'm thinking, and she was coming right at me. So I said, oh, she's probably coming to apologize or something. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay. You know, Veronica's so naive. Um, No, that woman reached to grab something from the counter but had I not moved my head, she would have punched me. She was moving that quick. I was so humiliated. I was so embarrassed. I was pissed. You know, <laughs> my friend, the, the soldier, she was, like, she was like, girl, you're so lucky. I'm a Christian. You're so lucky I got Jesus right now. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I couldn't even look at her husband. I was like, you just stood there and allowed mm-hmm. your wife to act this way. I'm like, okay. But we knew we couldn't. Yeah. We knew we couldn't do anything because nope. I tell you what, I was ready to whoop that woman's ass. <laughs> I was so pissed off. I wanted to go after her, but I knew, and I just stood there and started crying. I was so embarrassed. I literally bawled and I didn't know the owner was standing there and witnessed everything because I saw this woman go out after them and then she came back in. She was like, I am so sorry. So I don't know what she told them. But she literally, um, you know, everybody was just like, what does that say? Everybody was shocked. Everybody was shocked at the attitude. But I was just pissed off because I'm
0: like, it's 2020. I mean, you know. It might as
2: well be 1820.
0: Yeah, it just, it's unfortunate, but it just doesn't matter. You know? And And it is tiring. I don't go
1: out the house thinking, it's always there it's always there you know right. it's there but you go out the house hoping you can just have a, a good day you yeah. could just have it you could just go about your business so yes it's very exhausting so
2: so anytime you can go out and have a good evening or a good afternoon and come home without you know dealing with some shenanigans is a good day you know and
0: completely agree
2: you know like your mom said we don't go out looking for for anything and you know but at the same time, I'm not going to go out and, um, or I'm not, I'll, I'm not going to sit in the house and not go out because right. I'm afraid, you know, to be, you know, who I am. And, you mm-hmm. know, you know, we go out, we, we don't go out dressed crazy. You know, we're, we go out, you know, we are presentable at all times. And, you know, we're doing what we need to do, so. Uh.
1: And we do do, and a lot of the things that we're, I mean, it's it's better now because I see a lot more Black people are just, you know, living their lives, doing things that I, when I was younger, they would always say, oh no, nobody's gonna be doing that. You know, everyone's out doing and living their life, but there still are things that your dad and I will go out and do, and we're the only Black people. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like, hike. What, sometimes when we're out hiking, Um, bird watching (laughs) different events we go to well we all know how people feel about bird watchers well yes
2: well except for one guy that we see don
1: yeah but i mean it's you know there's just some of the events we go to because you know i like all kinds of music so you know i will drag your dad out to go see you know the orchestra play the eagles and you know other things like that and yeah a lot of times you can go around and look around and count maybe a yeah. couple other black people there. But I mean, just even think about when we were in Germany, Danielle, you know, I took you to go see Bon Jovi. I took you to see you two. That whole stadium, I guarantee there were no other black people.
0: Yeah, can confirm.
2: So it's... Hey, so let me ask this question. Yeah. So how long is this podcast? Dad. No, no, I'm serious. I'm like... I don't know. You know... Oh, okay. How long, can... how long it take? I'm just asking. I I don't have nowhere to go. I'm just asking.
0: I don't either. (laughs) Lots (laughs) up in this house. (laughs) Okay. But yeah,
1: no, there are a lot of things that your dad and I will go do. You know, one thing we like about where we're living is because the job market, um, majority of people are making a good living. So you see, diversity when you're out and about Mm -hmm. it's nice it's nice to know oh man we are not the only ones out here living life and that's good
0: so when you say living life what does that mean to you mom
1: what does it mean to me Hmm. um it means that i'm going to a restaurant that would be considered high-end because i can and not worry about, you know, and even if there were, there was, there would have been a time where you're the only black people, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: now it's like going out, living life, going out to eat. And there's other people that look like you out there going out to eat, doing the same things you're doing. You go to the cigar bar. There's other people that look like you, you know, you go shopping, everyone's shopping. Everyone's just doing, just living life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, And I know, and I'm not trying to, you know, discount the people that are having a hard time, but I just mean, period, in general, it's just nice that, you know, things are getting a little bit better where, yes, you're going out and you're seeing people that look like you just doing everyday stuff.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that you said that because, I mean, honestly, I live in Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. You think I run into black people all the time? No, nope. I sure don't. And you know, sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, <laughs> this is so terrible." <laughs> I don't know if it's terrible, but even like if Ben and I see a couple that look like us, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, ben? we were at the park and there were like four couples that look like us." You know, like, uh, yeah. So I get it. I get it. Or you know, just when I see black people thriving and skiing. Yes. You yes. know, love it. I mean, you love coming to see here. It.
1: And coming here, you know, we have a Whole Foods to see black people that look all kind of ways shopping in Whole Foods just blew my mind. It's a lot of black people at Whole Foods. I'm just saying it's like why should that be such a shock? Because
3: you know what I'm is.
0: saying? You know what I mean? I mean why yeah. should be a shock? Well, it's right, you know, store, but we say 2020, but we all know that. America. It, sure. I, I I don't even know that I would say that it's better. It just looks different now.
1: It looks different. Right.
0: It just looks different. And so yes. it's hard to say, oh, come on. It's 2020. It's 2021. But I mean, that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. because I mean, yeah, look at what last year did. Speaking of last year. Yes. Question for you both. <laughs> okay. You know, so both of you said last year things coming up in the media, you know, made you more aware. How did that affect you when you thought, like, if you have thought back on your own like upbringing, you know, like, did it make you think like, oh, I didn't really grow up seeing these things, but they were happening, you know, like, like, what does that, how does that make you feel?
2: Well, look. Let me. So, so you and I had this conversation, right? You know, yeah. you have grown up your entire life, pretty much, with a computer, mm-hmm. right? And so, whether it's a computer or or a cell phone or a TV, every time you turn on something, your information is instantaneous,
1: mm-hmm. right? And from so all when of I was your the world. exactly yeah. so when
2: I was when I was your age,
1: we had four channels: PBS, ABC, NBC, CBS and NBC. Yeah. So
2: so so we didn't get information as readily. Of uh, the information wasn't as readily available as it is for you, right? Mm. And so uh, it even, wasn't when even I, it wasn't even twenty-four hours. Even when I was your age, right? It wasn't until I think nineteen ninety-six or so, 96, 97, around there that I first knew anything about email, Mm -hmm. right? Computers, anything, right? You know, we didn't, we didn't have that stuff. Even at work, we didn't even have that stuff. So, you know, how, how does it affect us? I'm sure, you know, I, I knew craziness was going on around, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know, San Diego only because of San Diego news or maybe LA, but, As far as the craziness that was going around unless um, I mean unless it was being played on the news because you know good news doesn't sell right it's yellow journalism nothing nothing good sells Uh, we didn't see that I I did not experience that I didn't see that so Mm
3: -hmm.
2: last year you could not turn on the tv or open up your phone or open up the you know the the computer without seeing um all the stuff that's going on whether it was uh you know police brutality that we we always knew existed but it wasn't in our face like that right it wasn't Mm -hmm. it wasn't out there or uh now you know karen and ken you know calling the police on black folk because they are you know bird watching or you know because they're at the park or Mm -hmm. because they're walking through a neighborhood, you know, um, it just, you know, honestly, it, it it just got to the point where it's just, it just got old. I,
1: I think, I think for me, last year, because it's not that we hadn't seen um, police brutality, like, hit the national stage, because you had Rodney, Rodney King. King, Rodney King, got mm-hmm. beat down and whatnot. The, I think the, difference with last year and I I think the lockdown kind of played into it in that people people couldn't really focus on anything else because there really wasn't anything else to focus on you know they couldn't Mm -hmm. really go out and just be oblivious and just go to the grocery store and go shopping go eat and do whatever so you're sitting there with the news whether you're streaming or watching TV and watching what happened with George Floyd. And there was nowhere else for anyone. There was nowhere else to go. You have to watch it. It was everywhere. And I think the fact that the white community finally, just really, really were forced to really look and see, I mean, things have been going on, things have been presented. But, you know, it's like, "Eh, that doesn't affect me, whatever. But, you know, you had the marches and, you know, I think the younger generation with social media, with the computer, okay. I was just, um, I I think the white community not having a choice, not being able to go and escape. Mm -hmm. There was no escape last year. Mm-hmm. we were in the middle of lockdown and you were inundated with everything. And I think it really started making people really come to terms and understanding and as more things went on. And for me, it was just kind of like, I don't know, it really made me reflect because it made me start looking at, okay, my relationship because I was like, wow, you know, are the people in my life do they really have my back you yeah, know great question who really has my back and as you're watching the posts on facebook and everything else i was like oh wow okay so my circle of friends just got a little smaller mhm you know because i just i just couldn't it was just yeah. too much you know as a person a black woman, you know, going through life, you got so many things you got to be aware of and concentrate on. And, and now I've got to think and worry about friendships. No. Yeah. Right. no. So, well, so yeah, last year just kind of made me reassess. And that's, like I said, that's when I realized, like, I never knew there was a black national anthem. I mean, I knew that song was out there, but I didn't know what it was. And, and I don't know the words to it. I kind of, sort of, you know, I mean, and like I said, these are the things that why you grew up the way you did, because I didn't know. Yeah. You know, and your your childhood was almost like dad's in that you grew up in that military community, mm-hmm. um, good or bad, but you were exposed to diversity and everyone kind of accepted everyone. You still had your everyday childhood issues of being in school.
0: Yeah.
1: It was It was in a bubble, True. you know, it was in a bubble. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still learning, I'm still learning. Same, you know, my, my, I have four, five black female friends and I met them all. Well, the majority of them I met in 2011 when we came back to the States. Yeah you know, Mm. that's the first time I've had good black female friends minus the two girls from high school. Yeah. We had the same interests. So we were in the same category. Yeah. Even though they had black parents, but we were, we three were in the same category in high school. But other than that.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting. mm -hmm. Good stuff (laughs) y'all.
1: Cause like when I met your dad, I told his, I told uncle Mike, I said, I'm actually surprised he wasn't married to a Filipino girl and your and your dad didn't realize he didn't believe that I was Hispanic until he spoke to my mom yeah and then he was like oh (laughs) oh snap yeah not to mention he calls me the whitest black girl he's ever met but that's well
0: that's that's not okay but um (laughs) maybe that's another topic hey
2: that's (laughs) that's a that's an in-the-house thing that's never a public thing well i don't
0: know mom said it on the podcast do i have to edit it out no no all right okay you heard it (laughs) here first folks that's right um well i think that this has been a wonderful discussion and thank you both so much for being willing to share i'm excited for people to listen to this um and i think I Think this is just a starting point for a lot of conversations to be had. Um, yeah, so thank you both so much. Well, thank Absolutely. you, thank, thank you, you for, for trusting us. us. Yeah, yes, thank of you. course.
2: Thank you for the softballs.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not on Oprah's level yet. Um, oh. yeah, but don't worry. As I practice, I might watch oh, please, out for you that's all for this week's episode of Discuss with DG. Be sure to follow along on social media at Discuss with DG or visit the website. See what's coming up next. Until next time.